Hey everyone, I'm Tracy, and welcome to another episode of From A to B, where Shiva and I have no bullshit conversations about topics in experimentation and digital marketing. Today we discuss website teardowns, which are like so hot right now. Is it justified or are they total bullshit? In this episode, we recap what teardowns are, why marketers are so obsessed with them, how to use one responsibly, and how not to use a teardown. Shiva and I are seasoned digital marketing experts having done experimentation for a combined 16 years. So you can totally trust us because we totally know what we're talking about, right? If you like the episode, please subscribe and follow our LinkedIn page for more updates. And as always, sit back, tune in, and enjoy the conversation. Hey everyone, thank you for joining us on another episode of From A to B. I am Tracy and I'm joined by my lovely co-host Shiva. Shiva, say hello. Hello everybody. So Shiva, if you were to go to a costume party, hypothetically, because let's just say maybe I'm hypothetically going to a costume party and the theme is rock star, which rock star Travis Barker. Okay, wow, that's easy. What is so, oh, you know what, okay. I was about to say, like, I was thinking of Tom from Blink-182, and I'm like, what's so recognizable about him? But then it's like, Travis Barker, okay, he literally is covered in tattoos. Yeah. (laughs) Like, everywhere. Just for the audience who may not know who Travis Barker is, he's the drummer of Blink-182. If you know him as the husband of Kourtney Kardashian, I hate you, and you should unsubscribe and unfollow this podcast. You're too young to listen to this. You are way too young, and I hate you. I I dislike you. But... He is the drummer of Blink-182, and that's on the top of my mind because I saw Blink-182 this past weekend, and it was awesome. He's also very bald, so I'm just trying to figure out how you would get around that issue. I just think he's a badass, and I would try to dress up as him. I wouldn't pull it off, but I would try. I commend that. I think that's a good enough idea. I'm going as Ozzy Osbourne. Easy, recognizable. I already got the hair color. Not Luigi? Uh, That's a different theme. <laughs> In case the context isn't here, we were, uh, for a previous episode, we were, uh, <laughs> for a previous episode for Amazon, we were recording some videos for Amazon and Tracy was sharing her screen and she had a Waluigi and like a Luigi costume in her shopping cart. It's like, Tracy, what is, what, why? This is not Halloween. Why is this in your shopping cart? Um, I have a very vibrant marriage. Uh, moving on to the main topic of the day. <laughs> Shiva. Okay. So today's episode is kind of another installment of an episode we initially did on Swipe Files. It is our awesome or overrated series where we kind of give you a maybe spicy perspective on something that's quite popular, maybe overrated in experimentation. And we kind of let you decide after letting us know how we truly feel about it because you know we will. Yep. So teardowns, big one today. Shiva, I know you have a lot of thoughts on teardowns. I know we're going to hear all about them, but just to kind of start, for anyone who's not familiar with teardowns, what are they? I would say a teardown is basically a loom video where someone goes through the site and says, tactically, this button needs to be bigger. This should be verb-based. This product image is bad. Swap this out. It's like a heuristic audit. At least there's some parallels around it being a heuristic audit. 
Yes. But the teardown is basically just a person going through the site and saying, I would make all of these changes to a site and then kind of just voicing over that. I think that's a good explanation. And you mentioned heuristic audits. That was actually something that I've been asking myself quite a bit is what's the difference between a teardown and a heuristic audit? I just think a heuristic audit is more documented. Structured, maybe? Structured, documented, themed. You group a bunch of heuristic audit observations by usability, by copy, things like that. And then you surface themes for optimization. Versus a website teardown seems to be very much more tactical of this is bad, this is bad, this is bad, this is bad. It's a bit more free-flowing, too, I feel. And I actually don't really, when I watch teardowns, I don't see too much emphasis on this is bad, this is bad. It's more so here's a website that, oh, I like what they're doing here. Oh, this is, I like what they're doing here. I wonder if this is effective. So it could be a mix of positives and negatives in a teardown. So that's a good call out. I generally have seen like, at least in the verbiage of the word, tear down. You're not bring up it or tear down or audit it's tear down so to me i've just generally seen tear downs as someone going through a site and saying everything bad so i think aligning on the definition of saying it's good and bad it's more of a vocal heuristic audit that's less theme focused and very tactical i think that's fair to say now people love tear downs I see them all the time on linkedin and i see how people engage with them they love tear downs more so than any sort of other case study or something that maybe shows test results. But I want to know, why are people so obsessed with teardowns? Why do they love them so much? I have some thoughts, but I'm interested in seeing what you have to say about it first. The first reason why I actually think teardowns are interesting is the same reason why when you interview for a CRO job and have no access to data, someone will go through the page and then think of how to optimize. So it gives you a peer into the mind of someone and how they approach it. In the same way that when you're interviewed for a CRO position, and like if I'm a hiring manager and I'm talking to a CRO person, if I see them just list off a bunch of stuff that's best practice and they don't say, I want to look at data, I want to research this more, red flag alert, red flag alert, versus if someone is going through and saying, this is interesting, I wonder if they've tested this, I've seen it work this other way. I'd like to look at this data point in this research. So I think it's an interesting peer into the mind of that person on one hand. So I think there's that. And then I think the other side of it is people just genuinely like getting feedback. So like they think of it as more heuristic based. So it's like, oh, okay, it's a sample size of one. However, people still see it as a free user test, basically. I like I echo 100% what you just said. I think in that regard, it's entertaining for people like it gives them, I don't know, maybe like a dopamine rush of seeing, oh, this is what people really think of my website or even just watching another website being like, oh, I never thought about it like that. But I think there's also maybe an element of you see a teardown and you're like, Ooh, should I apply that to my website? Should I try this out myself? And it almost feels like free advice in that regard. And that is how you, I would say, don't want to use a teardown. Just so you all know, like, I find teardowns entertaining and I find them thought provoking at times. And I do respect people who do teardowns, but I also know that they can kind of be bullshit because I've seen a teardown be run of one of my clients by someone else and knowing full well that like this is my nightmare client 
this is their website that has horrible performance and is just not working. And these things that are being called out in the teardown as positives are actually not good things. So I've seen from the other end, they can be bullshit. That's very interesting. The fundamental flaw of a teardown is that it lacks any type of context. Yes, it lacks data. It like just it lacks everything. It's Again, I think to the point about like, why is it good? It gives you a peer into the mind of that person to the negative. It gives you a very one sided lack of data perspective into it. It's just an opinion, right? Yeah. In the same way that a user test, if you had one user test and just did it once, that's one person's opinion. Yep. And even to like break it down a little bit further, it's one person's opinion who may not be your target audience of buyer. Yes. And in that regard, I actually would say a teardown is inferior to a user test because at least with a user test, you're being screened for your traits to make sure that you are the target audience. Whereas a teardown is like, this is just some rando who decided to like check my website. You also mentioned earlier, like context. Teardowns are completely devoid of context. There's no guarantee that what works for one website makes even remotely close to sense for yours, for example. Okay, great. So this website arranges their bundling in this format, but you sell, say, a high ticket product. You're not going to learn from a beauty product on how they bundle their $12 product how to best package your $200 technical equipment products. That's like literally a conversation that I've had with a client recently. It's so infuriating hearing, oh, we see this on this website. So like, let's try that here. Teardowns incentivize that behavior. It does. But I still think it's a good peer into the mind of that optimizer or that person doing the teardown. If they were to say, I'm looking at your website and I see that the product image isn't leading with a lifestyle image. It's leading with a very bland product behind white background. I tested this at another company and the lifestyle led. So first, I'd like to understand, is your brand more lifestyle? Is there any data to support that? And if so, I'd love to maybe try and see where this ranks in a prioritization framework and if there's any other data that we could capture on this. I think that's where like, if I haven't listened to many teardowns that go into that level of detail, but if that teardown went into that level of detail, I'd say, this is fantastic. Yeah, like you're thinking through the process and you're giving someone else these thoughts that maybe you're saying, I tested this before, but here's how I got to it. And you're explaining the process where I'd say that'd be incredibly valuable versus to your point, if you're just saying like, oh, I tested this lifestyle image with Apple. So I'm going to test this with your Bob's boot company in Tennessee with seven sessions a week. Totally. So context is important there. Then would you agree that you could use a teardown responsibly, say, if you were to use it as the first step toward your research overall? Like, for example, with that example that you provided right there on, oh, I noticed you're not using a lifestyle image on your first product image. Would that be responsible to say, okay, next step, I'm going into heat maps and I'm going to see people actually engaging with the product images. And if they're not, maybe this is a clue that it's because you're not using a lifestyle graphic when you should. I agree. Could I push on you? Yes, please. <laughs> Does it work defining the purpose of a teardown? I'm not sure. I know the purpose of a teardown. I see a teardown and I'm like, why are we doing this? So I think that's a good call out, right? I don't know what the purpose of a teardown is. Uh -huh. I think we can all have different definitions that 
some people might see the purpose of a teardown as give me test ideas. Mm-hmm. I don't love that because it's a sample size of one. Yeah. However, if your purpose is understanding the process of the person doing the teardown or broaden your horizon and think about things that maybe you hadn't thought about before, mm-hmm. I think that's a fantastic purpose for the teardown. So if the purpose is broaden your horizon, maybe think about things someone else is telling you that you hadn't thought about. Yes. In the same way that when in-house doing CRO, I'll go talk to the sales team. The sales team has a much different perspective of web than me. So they're broadening my horizons. The same way someone who's entirely devoid of the company outside of it, no, none of the politics, nothing, like give you a different perspective. Uh-huh. So I think there's a purpose that is legitimate of like, maybe, maybe give you something you hadn't thought about. Totally. To add to that, a teardown is valuable if it's applied to your website, but if it's of other websites and designed to get you to mimic what those websites are doing to your specific scenario, I would say that's irresponsible. I'd much rather just get a structured, formal, heuristic framework on my own website instead of some random dude's opinion on what's maybe right or wrong with it. Can we safely say a heuristic audit is just a better teardown? Yes. <laughs> so if that's the case, is there a spot for teardowns mm-hmm. if heuristic audit is available to you? I think there is a place for entertaining. I don't think that it should be used as a tool to educate on what to do and what not to do in CRO. I really think the context is more important than what anyone else is doing on the web. Like, who cares? It's probably not working. See, but the example I brought up, like my nightmare client was being torn down and it was like rave reviews. Uh, They're geniuses. They're geniuses. And I'm like, Lori, that's not what I'm seeing on my end. So if you had to summarize all of this, if you had to tear down a teardown, what are the ways that you should use a teardown and a way that you should not use a teardown? I think a teardown can be incredibly valuable to understand the mindset of that person. And if it's a marketing material thing for that person, I actually really like the idea. Oh. Because it's giving you a peer in the mind of that person. Same thing with a hiring. If I gave you a website teardown, mm-hmm. and to be clear, it's a good website teardown, meaning I am going through the process of, hey, I'm very curious about this component here. Have you tested this? Is there any data to recommend this? I'm looking at the rest of your site and I see you talk about it here, but you don't talk about it here. Have we tested there? Is there any research? So Ooh. like as marketing material, if you're using this to say, I want to know a little bit more about the person that I might use as a contractor, as an agency, as something like that. I actually love the idea from, you said it's entertainment. I like see it as like an entertainment marketing thing. Mm-hmm. That's totally right. I'd say what's an even deeper shade of red is for you to get one person's teardown and then just do all the things that that person says. Oh my God, that would be a tragedy. That would make me cry. To your point that lacks context, right? Like that person's opinions are literally based in just like no data other than gut feel and maybe past data that you can't even validate. Totally. And just pushing it even further, I would say that if you're doing teardowns publicly, you kind of have a responsibility to say, These are not tested. These are our opinions only. Please, if you want to go for any of these, test it yourself. Use your research. Does this back up observations from how your users are behaving? Just like kind of like don't try this at home unless you like 
know what you're doing kind of thing. So I would say that's a huge part of how to use it right and how to use it wrong. Don't blindly trust teardowns. Is there a path to making a teardown better? What is your path to taking the not awesome teardown and make it a valuable teardown? I love this question. To me, if I were to make the teardown that I wanted to see, I would make sure that it's done with a client's permission on their website, showing some data that's moderately redacted. I would layer on heat maps with the teardown and show some site traffic as well. It's funny because I don't think that would fit the classification of a teardown at that point. No, it probably wouldn't. So like, how do you make a teardown better? Just don't do it Just and don't do something else. Do a goddamn <laughs> heuristic analysis already, okay? It's like, what's the best way to not get pregnant, never have sex? Like, all right, well. Yeah, that that historically has not worked, Shiva. <laughs> it does work with 100% accuracy. Or from a, like, anyway, we don't have to. <laughs> I feel like I'm back in Catholic school again. I think ultimately your answer, like I agree with your answer, but at the end of the day, you're taking it from a teardown into just a website analysis. Absolutely. And that is not the purpose of a teardown. Can you though? Can you make a teardown better? I don't know if you can other than just making sure the purpose is marketing focused and thought process focused. Once you layer on that data, it just becomes an analysis. Personally, that's not how I market myself or want to market myself. So it's it's not something that I could do then without data. Mm -hmm. Fair enough. So big question, Shiva, are teardowns awesome or overrated? Is there a middle ground? You know what? Okay. I was going to ask the same thing, but I know that you would say no to me. So I'm going to say no. It's one or the other. Overrated. Okay. I'll clarify by saying they're overrated because like we talked about, what is the purpose of a teardown? Yes. Most of the time people don't use it properly. Okay. They see it as the opportunity to take what one person in a sample size of one with no business context says and then do those things. So for those reasons, I say it is absolutely in the realm of overrated. They can be, in my opinion, awesome. And I think if we use smartly when we discuss about like, it can be awesome when we think about a marketing material thing. Uh -huh. But I think very few use it in that vein. And I've seen very small amount of website teardowns that actually go into thinking about approaching of data collection and all that stuff. So for those reasons, I think inherently teardowns are awesome, but the current status of what exists in LinkedIn of teardowns is overrated. I agree. If I had to pick one, I would say a soft, awesome. They're entertaining. They can inspire. You have to pick one. Yeah, You awesome. made me okay. pick one. Sure. Awesome. Awesome. Okay. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, entertaining, thought-provoking, but only when it's paired with actual data and like actual real insight on how behaviors manifest. Now that we're all fired up and triggered and all of those good feels, we are ready for the LinkedIn post of the week. Okay, so for the LinkedIn post of the week for this episode, we have, dude, I suck with names and you I don't really know do. why. <laughs> I'm sorry. Everyone who's been featured on this podcast has probably had their name butchered by me. I apologize. Gerda Vogt Thomas. I feel confident about the last name. This is the first name. I hope it's Gerda. Anyway, so in Gerda's post, she discusses 
a non-negotiable for us CROs at this point before starting a new CRO project is getting access to your analytics. Now, context for her, she owns her own agency, Qualitative. She's kind of pointing from that POV. I still think that this POV rings true for anyone, regardless of in-house versus agency. But give me access to your analytics. Why? We want to give you an accurate overview of which CRO activities will bring the most impact, whether you have enough volume to test, etc. I think this is critically important, right? When we think about the teardowns, this is the missing piece, right? Literally data behind all of this. Yes. So in order for a CRO to do their job properly, they need access to the first party data. What's happening with your users <laughs> to instruct on a prioritization framework, know where to test, know what to test, know how to test it. Yeah. It's founded in data. But Gerda's pushing it a little bit more and even saying like, I need this before we even commit to working together. Yeah. So she called out specifically around like, I need to know where there will be impact if I can even run a test on some of these pages without basically redesigning the whole site. And even then, is it doable? <laughs> I had a sidebar in this post with her too, because I think it's important to know, is your data like even correct? Do you have a foundation that's accurate to test into? What do you think? You as a contractor, Tracy, you're signing up with clients and you're getting all this stuff. Is this something that you do? In client discovery, I need to see what numbers we're working with before I even put a contract in their face. I'm saying, so this is your goal. I need to know how many users do you get on a monthly basis moving from this part of your flow to the next step? And sometimes what has happened in the past is, oh yeah, we got 100 in a month. So to me, that's saying, okay, Obviously, I cannot offer you A-B testing as a service because then we're going to have a really hard time getting you results that are quick and meaningful. So I'm going to skip the pain and the hurt of lying to you and saying, yeah, great, great, great. Give me your money. I'll take you on as a client. And instead, what I might say is I see another opportunity here for you that does not involve A-B testing that may be worth your time and helping you level up on your conversion practice, whether that's research that can be used across other channels. It doesn't matter. I have never seen a situation in which a low traffic client retains for a long period of time because at some point the writing's on the wall. When you're running tests and you're like, uh, why do we have 12 transactions per variant after two months? This is not okay. Totally agreed there. Garda continues on here. You can do many things to improve your UX and conversion rate. Just like you said, doesn't always have to be an A-B test, but the expectations need to be realistic. Like totally. On the front end side, if you're going into this relationship with a client and their expectation is your CRO, you can improve by conversion rates and they see this big testing, like Bing tested button color seven years ago. So, hey, go run this button color test and give me similar results. And you're like, you don't have enough traffic to have a detectable change here. I wouldn't recommend doing it. Yeah. Maybe that's something that you just amicably walk away. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, it's a good call out around expectations just always need to be realistic. It doesn't even necessarily need to be that you need to turn away a client. It's just that you may need to actually shift the goalposts a bit. They may say, oh, we really want you to optimize landing pages for us, to which we may say, actually, you're not really putting a lot of ad spend behind your, your landing pages anyway. So what if we kind of opened it up a bit more? You have a lot more traffic coming to your main site from these channels. What if we shift our focus there? It's just, to me, I could not in good faith pick up a client without looking at their analytics and automatically prescribing something that they may not need. Do you look at the client resourcing and staffing as well? So things like developer resources, design resources as well? 
Yeah, I would not work with someone who says that I have to develop everything. I need to be the QA. I need to be the integrator. You as in Tracy has to do it. Me, yeah. I am a one-woman team. I can only really work with teams that are small but have resources available, but I'm not a designer. I'm not a developer. I'm not a QA. I make this very clear. I'll do your analysis. I'll help you hypothesize. I'll do the research. I'll build you that roadmap, but I don't promise people things that I can't give them because I know how that turns out. Let's do a little callback here. This is another thing that teardowns fundamentally miss where someone might be like, hey, you need to look at this PDP and you need to break this whole design and then add this carousel, do this. Yeah. And the teardown lacks not only maybe research context, it lacks resourcing context that I might tell Bob's boot shop, which I keep on using Bob's boot shop because I'm in Texas and that just sounds like a fun place to go to. Like Doug Dimidome of the Dimsdale Dimidome from the Fairly Odd Parents. Okay, never mind. Oh, that's, Fairly that's... Odd Parents. Okay. <laughs> oh my God, you're exposing your rage. <laughs> I love it. Anyway, uh, it was a cartoon I grew up on. But anyway, Bob's Boot Shop is on a Shopify store. They don't have any developer resources. It's just Bob. They have nothing. And then someone comes in and tells them, like, you need to redesign this whole page, add this component, this, 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 and this. Yeah. A teardown is like, I'm not trying to get political, but it's like someone saying, pull yourself up by the bootstraps. Oh, my God. Don't get me started. <laughs> right? Like, it's that type of level of, I know it's a problem, but are you going to do it? Oh, you can't do it? All right. Well, then why are you telling me to do this? Hey, maybe that's the point. It is a marketing material. So like circling back to Gerda's point, expectations need to be realistic on what can you do from a data side, but even taking a step further and saying, what can you do on a dev side? Yeah. What is available to you? What is available on the UX side? As someone who lacks the context of the design systems and the brand, yeah. they might be like, you need to be a discount brand. And they're like, we're literally trying to get away from being a discount brand. Yeah. So you tearing down my site saying, I need to have a counter that says 10 people just shop this. He's like, no, dude, that's entirely off brand. You're suggesting things that don't align with my vision. Totally. So anyway, I'm getting pretty heated about this now. But like, there's a lot of that context that's missing. Agreed. Yeah, I'm totally with Gerda on this. I totally. I'll end with this last quote here. She says one of the biggest problems in this industry is unrealistic expectations, both on the practitioner and on the client side of overselling. Yes. And on that note, you called out, right? Like I am the hypothesizer, the data analyzer, the researcher uh, in terms of project management, doer, anal analysis, all that stuff. Mm -hmm. Being clear about what you can and can't do is helpful. If you're a CRO practitioner and you're tasked to go in to help a client and you don't know until you sign an engagement and you say, by the way, none of your analytics data makes sense. I can't run a test until you fix this. Yeah. And then they're like, well, I thought you did this. Where why aren't you going to fix it? Yeah. Then you're setting yourself up for failure and you're setting your, the client up for failure. And it's a lose-lose. Totally. If you're saying, I'll do it with you or I'll do it for you and you are not 100% sure that you can do it for them, pray. <laughs> you're in trouble. You're going to ruin your reputation. And also, like, you better have a really good network of subcontractors or else you're fucked. Yeah. Gerda's post, I saw this and I was like, I have to talk about this because this just... Great. It hit home. It was a very, very solid post. I totally agreed with everything that you said there. Well... That is teardowns. Awesome or overrated. I think we had some mixed opinions here, but we, you know, we got to it eventually. If you liked what you heard, even if you didn't like what you heard, please subscribe. It keeps us running. You may notice there's a bit of a Q&A at the bottom of this episode if you're on Spotify. So please tell us what you thought of this episode. Who is the better host? The only right answer is it's me. 
So I will not accept other responses. Um, am I biasing results here, Shiva? Um, are you a, are you really a researcher? Um, yeah, I'm totally a researcher. Yes, <laughs> I'm a doctor. Trust me. Yeah. So yeah, but seriously, thank you so much for listening. Uh, subscribe, share with a friend, listen to everything. I don't know, just help us out. <laughs> if you do a website teardown for our Spotify page and send it to Tracy and only Tracy, I will Venmo you $5. Why to only me? Because you're the one guy that was triggered by this. I guess I'm triggered by this too. Actually, you <laughs> have to Venmo me $5 if you do a website teardown of our no, stuff. No, Venmo me, Venmo me. Venmo the better host. That's how it works. Yeah, it's me, the better host. No, 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 me. Well, that does it for the last episode <laughs> of Formated. See you never. Bye. <laughs>